This is The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television. to The Creator Revealed. My name's Tim Standish, and I'm a scientist. In fact, I spent about 20 years of my life getting a PhD that involved studying DNA, this incredible molecule that contains the plan for much of what goes on in our bodies. And it is so fascinating. We're just so glad that you are joining us. And if you're like me, this is going to be something that sometimes you look at and you go, whoa, what did he just say? But what you will see is the creator's design. I believe that's what I see. It's exciting to understand how God created us. Exactly. I think of DNA as being God's unique plan for each person, each organism out there that we see. Because there are no two identical DNAs. I mean, that's what makes us so unique. That's right. This is what makes Shelley Quinn a six foot tall, blue eyed person. That's it. (laughs) Now, we are more than just DNA, but DNA is really important. Before we dive into this, I want us to consider these words that were written by the Apostle Paul to people living in a place called Colossae. Okay, so he's writing to the Colossians and he says, For by him, this is God, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And when we talk about DNA, we're really talking about something that is invisible. It's, it's so small, we can't see it. We can't see it with our naked eyes. We can't see it with a light microscope. If you use super duper specialized kinds of <laughs> techniques, you can visualize it, however. And And there's DNA in every molecule of our body. Oh, yes. Well, every cell of our body. DNA is a molecule and it's found in every tiny little cell in our bodies. And I want to start out by talking a little bit about one of the gentlemen who received a Nobel Prize for figuring out the structure of DNA. This is me back back in the olden days, Uh back when I had just earned my PhD. And I am standing with a gentleman named Francis Crick. Now, if you know anything about DNA, you know that Francis Crick received a Nobel Prize for figuring out the double helical structure of DNA. And we're going to get that into that in just a moment. But I want to say something about Francis Crick because you know, Francis Crick, in my very limited personal experience, was actually a very gentlemanly man, a kind man. 
And, uh, and I remember talking with him and, uh, and how kind he was to me. You know, I was just a new PhD. Um, I didn't feel that I knew very much actually at the end of that. And, and here is this man with a Nobel Prize and his kindness really impressed me. So I want to be careful about what I say about him. I, but I am going to quote something that he said, okay. which really um, made quite an impression on me. He wrote this, he said, biologists must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. You see, Francis Crick was a materialist. He believed that the only things that exist are the atoms, essentially. And he was a brilliant man. And he wrote, I believe, quite eloquently about science and about DNA. But at the end of the day, mm. he imposed on himself a philosophy that was in tension with what he was observing in nature. And so he had to make this rule for himself and for those who believed in the same way. I, as a Christian, do not have to impose blinders like this on myself. If something looks designed, then I am free to interpret it as being designed. Yes. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, I'm allowed to say it's a duck. Okay. So that is a big difference between the way that I think and the way that Francis Crick, a man who I profoundly respect, but disagree with on this particular issue. So this is the, the structure. The double helix. The double helix that Francis Crick figured out. So DNA, this amazing molecule that contains all sorts of plans for how our body is going to be, this is what it looks like. It's like, you can think of it as like two spiral staircases that are spiraling around each other. And the steps in there are things that we call bases. So let's take a look at, a look at those. I'm going to sort of untwist this molecule a little bit so that we can see what those A, T's and G's and C's look like in there because those are the really important things. That's where that information is coded. And you can see those, those molecules there. I'll put the A's and T's and G's and C's on there. Those are just letters of the alphabet that we use to symbolize these specific chemicals that you can see there. The great thing about this structure, well, there are many, many, many things, but you can encode information into that little alphabet, that four letter alphabet, all kinds of information. There are about three billion of these A, T's, G's and C's in the human genome. That's amazing. And if I was to take the DNA that is inside one of your cells, it would stretch out to approximately two meters long. So. It is longer than you are tall. In, in just in one just cell. In just one microscopic cell. That's amazing. There, it's all packed up in there. And that contains a huge amount of information. 
Okay. What did the P stand for? Proteins? The, uh, those stand for phosphates. Phosphates. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you can see that they're joined together by this. It's a phosphate and then a sugar and then a phosphate and then a sugar. And these bases, the A, T's, G's and C's, stick off the sugar part. Mm. So the backbone okay. is that sugar phosphate backbone there. Oh, I would love to spend all the time talking about that, <laughs> but we'd better not. Let's talk about these A's and T's and G's and C's. You can see the A's and T's always match up with each other and G's and C's always match up with each other. If we do, if we write out a whole bunch of them, they would look something like this. Now, the great thing about this double helical structure is that each side, each strand contains 100% of the information because of the rule that A's always match up with T's and G's always match up with C's. Okay. Let's see how it works. Right. If you pull the double helix apart, the, the two strands apart, you can see you get something like this. Well, in that top strand there, the light pink one, the A's are going to match up with what? With a T. With a T, right. So there's, I can know what the other strand is going to be on the basis that it's going to start oh, out see. with T. So from top to T. bottom, A, exactly. T, A, T. Precisely. T, A, okay, okay. So if you match things up, you see that you get two identical strands when this machinery of DNA replication comes in and adds them in. So how often is our body replicating this? We're talking about millions of times a day, billions of these um, replication events occur in our body. And you can see that because of the structure of DNA, the way that you can unwind that double helix and get two strands, each of which has 100% of the information, you can see why it is so incredibly accurate. That is amazing. It is unbelievably accurate what is going on there. Mm. Now, the important thing about DNA is, well, it's obviously an amazing molecule, but it, it contains a language. Information is encoded in there. We're not even going to talk about that language, but let's just say this is, this is the, the title of a scientific paper. The genetic code is one in a million. It is just a fantastic language. And we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's look at what a gene looks like. Now, genes are what are encoded in DNA. They are like the recipe for making the proteins that are found inside our bodies and in every other living thing. I want to point out something interesting about genes. Right. Genes are made up of segments. They're called exons. So you can see I've numbered the segments of this PIPX2 gene as exons one through six. The cool thing about each of these exons, each of these segments, is you can mix and match them. So if you put them together, if you use exons one, two, five, and six, you make a protein called PITX2 isoform A. Don't worry about the language yes, there. Okay. Just understand that that's one kind of protein. Now, this gene can make another kind of protein by taking different segments. If it takes one, two, three, five, and six, it makes what's called isoform B. It's a related protein, but it's different. 
So how does that working in our body? What this means is, oh, and it can keep on doing this. It can make isoform C as well. The, The point is one protein can make many different, sorry, one gene can make many different proteins. That's why we have a a little over 20,000 genes, but we have a whole lot of proteins, a lot more, hundreds of thousands of proteins, different proteins in our bodies. And I remember from one of your presentations, the proteins are the drive shafts. Well, that's one protein in one of the molecular machines. Those molecular machines are all made up of many different proteins that all have to work together in very precise ways. So, yes, what we see is that the genes are actually information processing systems. They have to decide which protein to make. It, we could go on and on and on forever. And but this is what, happening yeah, all day Exactly. Long. There's so much more that we could talk about. But there is just a couple of things that I want us to get out of this information. The creator is revealed in these molecules of life, the DNA. His wisdom is shown in his choice of materials like DNA with its stability, high coding efficiency, an associated mechanism of copying. And his wisdom appears clearly in the information that's actually encoded in the DNA. That is so amazing. And and I know everybody's head is swimming, but please stay tuned. We're going to be back in just one minute and we will be talking with a nanochemist who can tell us more. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference does prayer make? You might be astonished at the difference prayer makes. Dr. Herbert Benson is. Dr. Benson is a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. In his book, Timeless Healing, he says, and I quote, I am astonished that my scientific studies have so conclusively shown that our bodies are nourished and healed by prayer and other exercises of faith, unquote. Everything that matters to you matters to God. So talk to him about everything that matters to you. Because when the minds of mere mortals connect with the mind of their Creator, the effect on mind and body and soul is beyond estimate. Prayer makes a difference. Oh, we're so glad you're still with us. And we are going to explore DNA and human design just a little bit more with a Dr of chemistry. That's right. Dr. Ryan Hayes, he teaches chemistry at Andrews University in the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry there. He sounds like a smart man. He is a smart man (laughs) and it's a very good department, I know, because I personally studied there for for a number of years. Yes, as an undergraduate, I was a chemistry and zoology double major. I never finished the chemistry, which makes me weak, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you say, I I love the chemistry. I just ran out of time and money. And uh, there have been times when I thought, maybe I should go back Amen. and be like Dr. Ryan Hayes, become a, a, genuine, a genuine chemist instead of an amateur chemist, which is really <laughs> what biologists are. So thank you, Dr. Hayes, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We've been talking about DNA. And um, we know that DNA is, is a chemical, but... I guess the question that I would have is, what, what's so special about it? Why, 
why would DNA be such an important molecule in humans and every other living thing? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of important aspects to DNA from a chemistry perspective. And I think one of the things that uh, strikes me about the chemical structure of DNA is how flexible it is chemically to allow all sorts of code and arrangement of its structure, what we call the, the bases of it, um, to allow a wide variety, almost an infinite number of chemical combinations. So when you so, talk about when you talk about the bases, you're talking about the A, T's, G's, and C's, that and and, and they can be arranged yeah. in any sequence. Yeah, that's correct. And that actually, you would think it would be something obvious to every chemist, but even as a PhD chemist, I, and looking at the the structure of DNA for you know, many years, it wasn't until I was reading the book by Stephen Meyer, uh, Signature in the Cell, and pondering the structure once again, that it struck me that there isn't anything about the chemistry that is driving the arrangement of the letters uh, and the bases there, the A, the T, and the G, and the C, that is completely chemically neutral to just, it allows essentially any combination that you need. So let's say you I had found a, that very surprising. So let's say you had a T in the sequence, anything could come after it. It's, it's, there's, there's nothing chemically that says uh, an A must come immediately after a T or, or something like that. There are actually no rules in the sequencing of it. That's correct. It, it's so much like, um, oh, there's a number of analogies that really work here, but it, you know, it seems like, well, maybe we're missing something about the chemistry that maybe is driving the arrangement of the letters there. And I actually, uh, it was Stephen Meyer, and I really like his analogy. He actually likened it to, here's my really bad magnetic board with some letters on it, that the DNA structure itself chemically just allows any arrangement of letters, the A and the T and the G and C, now we know the A and T must match together and the G and the C must match with each other across the strand, but in any order of the rungs of this ladder, they can come in any arrangement. So there isn't a chemical property that is driving that arrangement. It has to come from another source. There has to be a source of information that is driving what we see in the code. I find that utterly amazing. There's nothing in the structure, the, they call it the sugar and the phosphate backbone of the DNA. Nothing there is driving the structure. And the base pairs themselves, there's nothing there that's driving the chemistry. If it did, this was the thought that struck me, if there was something chemically driving it, we would see patterns there. We would see, you know, so many T's and then an A, so many G's followed by a T. There's no patterns. It is completely random to our eyes. Well, I guess that if, if there were patterns there, then you actually wouldn't be able to code very much information into it. I mean, if, if, the, if, if the letters of the alphabet had to be arranged in just one specific order every time, we wouldn't be able to spell millions of different words with it. And uh, so here we're basically dealing with an alphabet, a relatively simple alphabet with only four letters, the A, T, G, and C. 
and yet we can come up with, for all practical purposes, infinitely different sequences to code different things into the genome. But I think what I hear, if I'm understanding you correctly, Dr. Hayes, what you're saying is there's no chemical rule here uh, as far as how it's strung together. So it's the signature of the creator. I mean, something designed this, something engineered it. But is that what you're saying? That's right. Uh, how does how do you get if, if every arrangement is allowed for ladders or these codes that's in there where did the arrangement come from that we see there could it you know after you know billions of years and you know trial and error eventually come up to the right one the problem is when there's even one ladder that's wrong you you get you know, you get molecules and proteins and enzymes that don't work. So the code fails. You need the correct code right from the beginning. And without it, you get failed results. You get failed chemicals that, that don't do anything or react improperly. You need a working system from the get-go. And you can't, you can't do that incrementally. You've got to have the information before you can keep the information. So information technology is really built into our DNA. You've got all these little codes that are going back and forth, right? Just like a computer. Absolutely. We, we are. And that was that was a reluctance of mine was to give up. I wanted us to be full of chemicals that we were driven by chemical information. But honestly, it's just information that has a chemical component. It's an alphabet four letters. So if you have a, a shortened alphabet with just four letters, then your words need to be longer in order to have a wider variety of uh, words and, and combinations of letters. So that's what DNA does. It's just longer words. They're really long in some cases, but uh, you can do a lot with four letters when you can have short words and long words. You can make a lot of unique uh, components from that or important sentences and words if you want to use the information uh, concept there. So uh, utterly amazing. It's a great design. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a fairly robust structure chemically, so that's kind of nice to know. Well, that was actually something uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask about a little bit. I mean, obviously, if you have a bunch of information and it's encoded in something that's really delicate and can fall to pieces, that information isn't going to last very well. But I'm assuming that DNA is a fairly stable molecule that it can last for a reasonable period of time. It doesn't, it doesn't just keep falling to pieces inside our cells. It must be quite robust. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly robust uh, molecule, so that's good. Uh, that keeps it from changing uh, spontaneously, so that's helpful. So in order to work with the code that's there. You, you need helper molecules, enzymes that come in and read it and split it apart because at our body temperature and pH, the DNA molecule will want to stay together. Okay, so, so this, this, this would be when uh, you're wanting important. to read the information off it then or make a copy of it. It has to, the, that double helix has to be opened up. That's right. You have to have a can opener. You have to have a, a little machine that can go through and open it at at our body temperatures. 
If you heat it, I believe it's to about 90 degrees Celsius, it will unravel on its own. That's quite a high temperature and we would die before then. That's almost a boiling water temperatures. So at that high temperature, it will fall apart, but at lower temperatures that our body's at, 37 degrees Celsius or 98 degrees Fahrenheit, the DNA molecule wants to stay together. And so you need a machine to pull it apart so you can read the individual bases that are there. Okay. Beautiful. It is. So what, what would be the possibility then of, if you're wanting to, to make life using just, you know, just starting with simple chemicals or something, would it be possible to start with something like just DNA and, and work your way up to all of these other protein machines that we also know are necessary for life today? Yeah, this is a this is a great question and what uh, a lot more chemists are getting involved with because it's an enigma. We, we can't see a real uh, clear way chemically to create uh, life from some of these few simple molecules. And so there, there was the original theory that uh, that somehow these DNA uh, molecules or you know, parts of it were able to come together. But honestly, that, that theory was discarded pretty quickly and replaced with, well, we need proteins because you need uh, the, the tools, which we call proteins and enzymes, to make DNA. So, but the funny thing is DNA is needed to make the proteins, but you need the proteins to make the DNA. So which one of these chickens and eggs comes first? And so those both have been discarded chemically because they, you need both of them at the same time. And so this hybrid theory of, well, maybe it's uh, ribonucleic acids, the RNA somehow is able to be one of the first molecules that was spontaneously made. And, and honestly, I think that's pretty much a dead end uh, because we know that even in the simplest living organism, you need thousands of chemicals together. It's not just DNA. Sure, you need the code, that's important, but you need the proteins and you need the chemical environment to all be there just to even have the simplest life. So what does this- There's like three or 4,000 chemicals, unique chemicals in the simplest of organism, and they all have to come together at the same time. What does this tell you about the creator's design of the body? Uh, could you repeat the question, sorry? What does this tell you about the creator's oh. design of the human being? Well, and every other living thing, because everything has well, DNA, yes. yeah. Well, first of all, he's an amazing chemist, so my hat's off to uh, our, our creator. Because when you actually go into the lab and actually try to make these molecules or things like it or even simpler things, you realize all of the problems that can occur. All the side reactions, not having pure starting materials or having impure reactions that can take place and things that can get in the way and go down different tracks. And we're not, we're not seeing that this chemistry can just happen spontaneously and easily. So it really, so it really actually, so many yeah. factors. It, takes, it takes a master chemist to make these master chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's what and, we're seeing now is that the more we learn, the more we know how yeah. many factors had to be accounted for it, just to even make 
life happen and well, to sustain it. I Not wanna, to just get it started, but to sustain it. I want to really thank you for taking this time with us, Dr. Hayes. It's been a great pleasure. I appreciate it. Amen and amen. Well, you know, this is so fascinating. And what I want to encourage you, we're just touching on the surface of this. Open your mind to science and how it proves that we have a creator God and he is the master of all science. Join us again next time. Thank you. Listening to The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television.